Hey, podcasters. This is your host, Mimi Jacks. Welcome you back to another episode of Improper Mimi, where we talk about some of the very things that have helped to empower women in all aspects of our lives, whether it's at home, work, or play. So be sure to subscribe, follow Improper Mimi wherever you listen to your favorite podcast so you don't miss a beat. Hello, everyone. (laughs) We have another episode for you all today. It's going to be another good one. We have with us Esther Boykins. She is one of my good friends, and we talk about... um, we talk about a little bit of everything that, that goes on in our lives. and But today we really want to talk about setting boundaries. So as Black women, either in the workplace, in relationships, even at home with families, how do we set boundaries and, and how do we not be recognized as an angry Black woman for them? But let me not get ahead of myself too much here. And Esther, let me just allow you to introduce yourself to those who maybe did not listen to us before. I know we did an episode um, back earlier this year, episode number two. So people go back and listen to the myth of a strong black woman. You'll hear Esther and I there talk about that scenario in our lives. Uh, but Esther, today, why don't you tell us you know, who you are and what it is that you do? Absolutely. So I am Esther Boykin. I am the CEO of Great Therapy Associates, which is a private therapy practice in the DC metro area. We, um, well, now in this, I was going to say in this new age of teletherapy, but although we've <laughs> actually been offering teletherapy pre pandemic uh, to some other look outside of DC as well. Um, in addition to that, I, you know, I'm a marriage and family therapist. My staff really works with you know, kids five and up and couples and families and lots of individuals. And I also run Therapy is Not a Dirty Word, which is kind of a events slash educational slash media slash merchandise. Basically Mm -hmm. anything that is therapy related that doesn't actually involve being in a therapy office. That's kind of what Therapy is Not a Dirty Word is all about. Yeah. yeah. And I love doing stuff like this, talking to you, some of my favorite people (laughs) about my favorite things, boundaries, feelings, relationships, <laughs> all of that. <laughs> exactly. It's like, these are the things that, you know, and I, and that's what I love about the podcast. You know, we just sit around, we chit chat, we talk about like, these are our regular chats that we would have in life, hanging out, having a drink, having some coffee, just talking about things we encounter in our lives, things that just are part of like everyday life or things that come up in the news or whatever. And so I know, yeah, before when we chatted, it was pre-pandemic. Now we're like right in the middle, in the thick of this pandemic. And it's been months and it's kind of like the new normal. And I don't see it going away anytime soon. Um, So, you know, people are dealing with a lot right now. And not just, you know, the pandemic with COVID, but also with like racial injustices and trauma and threats from you know just being black in america (laughs) these are you know (laughs) it's like the day-to-day you know stresses that we have in our lives um and so just even thinking on top of that like in the workplace i think i mentioned this on one of um my other episodes it was back in in may like after the george floyd uh, murder you know when i went to work I was just 
ready to have on my mask, ready to, you know, just go about my day. But people actually wanted to talk about it. I'm like, well, this is new. You know, usually, mm-hmm. usually that's like one of the boundaries that I set up, you know, like my personal life and like stress that may have happened over the weekend, you know, put that aside when I come to work, it's all business. Um, but to actually talk with, you know, my white colleagues and they want to have conversation and stuff. I'm like, I was not prepared. <laughs> yeah. I was not ready. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, that just, you know, also reminds me of, of those masks that we wear, of, the, the, of those, you know, boundaries that we, we generally kind of set up at work of separating work from our personal lives. And it has like come back to me like previously, like, oh, you're, you know, you need to become, you know, more with the team or, you know, express yourself more at work. And in my mind, I'm like, if I express myself at work, I may not have a job. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of those, you know, like, what are some of those boundaries that even you come up against? Yeah. And I think that's such a good example. And I, you know, it was interesting. I, a couple weeks ago, we did a webinar that was, it was, it was for everybody, but there was a lot of therapists who were there and we were talking about George Floyd and, and kind of all of the protests and, and activism around racial um, injustice and how that shows up in therapy. And it was super interesting because many of the white therapists were talking about how much race had come up and how they liked talking about it in their sessions mm-hmm. and how it was challenging them. And, you know, they were really kind of being more active about that. And it forced me to reflect. I was like, oh, well, you know, your experience is different than my experience. And I think that that's, it's one of the places I think Black people in general and Black women in particular, it's where we struggle with boundaries is that we go from these places where people don't ask, then something happens in the world and suddenly people are like, well, but I care about you and I want to know. And just because people are well-intentioned in their, in their, in their curiosity or they're asking and like, it maybe is coming from a really good place yeah. that we still have the right to say, I don't want to talk about that here mm-hmm. or that I don't want to talk about that with you. And I think that has been, that's something I'm seeing and, and even just myself at work, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's different. Cause like I'm the boss. So I'm usually the one asking at least, you know, with my staff and then, for clients, everything we talk about is sort of led by them, but even noticing there, like, that there are things we don't want to talk about and that that's okay. I think we should have a place to talk about it, but that, in fact, for many Black people, for many Black women, we already, we've been talking about our race our whole lives, right? Mm-hmm. So we already have a safe place to talk about that. And so that it's okay to say, you know, hey, I appreciate your, your concern. Yeah. But that I'm not the place, right? And that we can do that in a way that doesn't doesn't have to be dismissive, even though some people may characterize it as angry or standoffish yeah. or whatever, but being able to kind of give ourselves permission to say, you know, it's important that I choose safe places to talk about some of this stuff. Just yeah. because someone's well-meaning doesn't mean that they have the the knowledge, the insight, the compassion, or the just general emotional capacity to create a safe place for the things that we experience. Exactly. It's like, even at work, you know, sometimes, well, lately, more often than not, 
a lot of people have been pulled into a task force, you know, and your qualification for being on this task force may be because you are a person of color or you're a black woman or man. And so they need you on this task force to help them identify ways that they can improve their diversity and inclusion. And I, I know, you know, a couple people who have rejected that. They're like, no, I'm not going to be your source of information um, mm -hmm. to make you feel better about how we are treating Black people at work, or, or at least that they're not going to be the single voice representing all Black people. They're like, no, we either we need to include more people in the conversation, or you guys need to do some research and um, help to educate yourself. A, a lot of people, you know, that we work with are just not educated about Black history, about um, the racial injustices that, you know, our, our family and our, our men and our kids face at school or just on the regular commute to work. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it just appears like when we try to set up boundaries, you know, to protect ourselves, to protect our own mm -hmm. emotional state and our energy, that it comes off as we don't want to be helpful, that we are insensitive or that we are threatening. You know, like if, I, mm -hmm. if I'm trying to stand up for myself and explain to you why I don't want to do something, somehow then I become threatened. And, yeah. you know, that's really uncomfortable and kind of puts us in a position of, do I stand up for myself and set boundaries or do I just be quiet and, you know, nod my head and keep marching to the beat at work? Yeah. And that's yeah. not healthy either. <laughs> no, it's not. And I, you know, I think one of the things that, well, two things I always say about boundaries. One, we all have boundaries. Whether or not you are clear about what yours are or you enforce mm -hmm. them, every single person you interact with, you have, a, you have an established boundary with. Um, but also that one of the reasons that boundaries are so helpful is that it is about recognizing the ways in where our emotional labor or our emotional energy goes and that we have a right to, um, to be intentional about that. And I, I think when we start looking at things where people are being invited to have a conversation to the book club, to the task force, to the, you know, diversity initiative, that there's an there's an extensive amount of emotional labor that goes into that Absolutely. because in order for me to stand up, a, I know better than oftentimes a lot of people who are putting these kinds of things together as a black person, not just me personally, but as a black <laughs> person showing up for that, mm -hmm. you recognize that your experience is one of millions of experiences that the exactly. quote unquote black experience, um, in the world, in America, in this particular job or city or community is nuanced and it's layered and it's layered on top of person like family stuff and personal stuff. And, you know, my family's from Jamaica. That that's a whole other cultural piece that I carry with me that somebody mm -hmm. else whose family is from North Carolina doesn't. Yeah. And that shapes our perspective. And so when you know that and you show up to this place and you're one of the only or two or three black voices, there's an incredible sense of responsibility to represent everyone. And it's unreasonable and it's unfair. And, you know, part of the reason we need those task force and those initiatives is that for many people who are not black, they don't understand why there's emotional labor in the first place. 
And yeah. so as, as difficult as it is, and as much as it can, I think at times we get painted into these corners, which is a lot of what you and I talked about, you know, the last time I was on that whole sort of strong black woman, mm-hmm. which essentially suggests that we should always have the emotional energy to do what's needed for others and putting ourselves at the back of the list. And boundaries is about saying, I will not be at the bottom of my list of priorities. Mm-hmm. That my care, my wellness is going to be number one on my list. And everybody else has to get in line after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of educating is simply saying like, yeah, no, what you're asking for requires more of me than I'm willing to give to this. Because what you're asking, you think we're all showing up to the same meeting and having the same conversation. <laughs> but what it takes from me mm-hmm. is far different than what it takes from you. And I'm saying no to that. And that even in setting that boundary, there is a certain amount of education that happens about what it really means to be a Black person in this country um, or in whatever smaller cosmo that you happen to be operating in at that time. (laughs) Exactly, right? It's not always that we're representing the whole country. Sometimes we're representing the team in the coffee room or we're representing yeah. the people um, at the neighborhood block meeting, you know? So it's yeah. like, <laughs> wherever you are at whatever point that, you know, kind of what we're representing and, and, or we're just representing ourselves. Yeah. There was an episode on NPR a while back talking about, I guess the, the, the stigma that comes with being a black woman and setting up boundaries, being labeled as an angry black woman. And Serena Williams, when um, she actually vocalized her displeasure with the the ref calling yes. her out, like saying, like, your coach is feeding you information, like you're cheating. And she vocalized and she said, no, you owe me an apology. And the backlash that she got from that, and, and that kind of represents like our like day-to-day walking on eggshells. It's like, how dare you speak up for yourself? You know, how dare you advocate for yourself and let people know mm-hmm. that, no, you're wrong and you owe me an apology. And, and I thought like, man, how would I do that at work? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm not yeah. a, a super athletic superstar or anything like that. And, and I'm sure it still wasn't easy for her to, right. to, to speak up and say, no, I'm not going to let you stand here and call me a cheater. Um, but you know, like I've been in plenty of meetings where, you know, people may say something or, um, insinuate something. And I'm like, are you saying that? Cause I'm a black woman, like, are you, or just cause I'm a woman period, you know, I'm like in, in most of these like male dominated sports and jobs and arenas that we're finding ourselves in. Sometimes I will speak up and other times I'm just like, mm, get the side eye because I know if I say something then I'm going to be the angry black woman or, you know, and I'm like, right. I'm always trying to say something. So I'm like, I don't want to be that woman today. I'm just going <laughs> to give you the side eye, breathe real heavy and keep it moving. But you, you don't, and that is a fear that we have. Like if we do speak up or set boundaries, that will be labeled. So it's like, yes. how do we balance that? How do we juggle, you know, not being labeled in a negative way, but, being able to speak up for ourselves and, and say, no, I demand more respect than, than what's going on right here. I think some of it is 
a having places like this right like your show and like our circle of friends and family where we can say like it's just not fair right like and i don't mean that in that the system is never going to change but that that kind of change is slow and so the work in the meantime aside from you know doing our part out there whatever that looks like like it doesn't look doesn't mean you have to say yes to every opportunity to create change Mm -hmm. um but that a lot of it is is working on ourselves a lot of it is about how do i practice giving myself permission that Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks i do deserve to be respected i deserve that apology i uh, just because you perceive my assertiveness or frankly just me saying anything that contradicts what your opinion of a situation is mm-hmm. it means that i'm angry or conflictual or aggressive that doesn't make it true mm-hmm. and that i'm not going to sort of stifle myself based on other people's perceptions and that's really like i'm saying it like it's easy it's so hard it's so much work on a daily basis to go does this feel like does this feel like a fight that I'm going to have if I stand, essentially, if I stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, being able to sort of say, like, okay, <laughs> do I want to have this fight? Mm-hmm. And what does it cost me not to have it? Right? Like, what is yeah. it? What's the cost sometimes to play nice and avoid the side eye or the potential negative comment in the moment? What does it cost me in the long run? because I show up to whatever, this job, this community, this circle of friends even, mm-hmm. you know, day after day, week after week. And so sometimes we have to kind of decide that our longer term um, sense of, of peace and, and respect is yeah. more important than the discomfort in the moment. Doing something different is always gonna be uncomfortable. It's just, mm-hmm. that's how it works. That's right. Unfortunately. <laughs> we have to decide what is it worth to us? Because it, it could impact our job, our financial support, it could impact our reputation, but it can also impact our livelihood. It could impact mm-hmm. you know, how our kids look up to us. It could impact the internal stress and the feelings that we have to ourselves. You know, we could be beating ourselves up like, oh man, I should have said something like, oh, how, you know, how could I let that person speak to me this way? Or how can I, you know, continuously lend money to this person or um, how can I always be the one that ends up doing the dishes? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it could be something as simple as that, you know, because also like during this pandemic, a lot more people are working at home and that has thrown off some of the gender roles at home. Well, maybe not thrown off the gender roles at home because I think women have been for the majority taking care of the family taking care of Mm -hmm. dinner and homework and stuff like that but if now both parents are working from home hopefully everyone has a job but if both people are working from home and the kids are doing their remote school at home they're still most likely going to go to mom and ask mom like hey how do you do this and how do you do that and mom Mm -hmm. where's where are my blue socks and where's my favorite like blue shirt and so that those pressures like What is it to you to say no to your kids? You know, what is it? Where's the value of, you know, setting those boundaries like with your spouse or with your partner to say, yo, hon, I need you to cook dinner tonight and deal with the kids because I can't do it all. Like I'm also working from home 
And I also am trying to keep the house together and myself together and my mom and my grandparents. And there's just so much that women go through. So yeah, even at home now with this pandemic, this, it's a lot more burden on the women. Absolutely. And, and it is sort of, it highlights the ways in which I think oftentimes as women, we we try to set our boundaries or enforce our boundaries in sometimes indirect ways. Mm. So instead of saying, listen, you know, <laughs> I work just as long hours as you do. It's this, it's this, it's this. I need for you to like be in charge of dinner and bath time, you know, whatever, two nights a week or three nights a week. Mm-hmm. When people left the house for work, I definitely know women who just two or three nights a week just happen to have to work late right? Or would schedule a meeting or would, you know, but like literally just sort of yeah. creating a, a structure yeah. and not because they, you know, their partners are terrible people mm-hmm. who don't want to do these things, but that it's just sort of, that's such an ingrained dynamic. Yes. And then you add on the layer of the ingrained dynamic of women and particularly black women, not asking for help, not, mm-hmm. you know, setting clear boundaries and sort of stand, saying like, Yes, of course. I love my children. I love my husband or boyfriend or whatever, whoever you're yeah. with. And I need some time to myself. I need to come home and not talk to nobody for a little while or yeah. to just go take a bath or read a book and for everyone else to be able to take care of themselves some of the time. But because sometimes that's so hard to ask for, we, we get in habits of, of creating environments that make it happen for us rather than being direct. And so this is like yeah. a really interesting time of also recognizing the ways in which we don't, we are also not respecting our own boundaries, right? By not talking about it, by not stepping up and saying like, hey, listen, this is actually what I need if this relationship, if this whatever it is, is going to work between us. And why do we do that? Why do we, why do we just try to do everything for everyone and try not to hurt people's feelings and because I know one of my friends, you know, she calls and she's stressed out and she's got to do this and she's got to do that. And her husband doesn't understand And I'm like, dude, you got to like, you know, stand up for yourself or you, you have to communicate and say, I need you to do this or I, I can't do this because we always seem to make it work. And so then people continuously will yes. look to us to keep making it work. But, you know, why do we do that? <laughs> I mean, so I, yeah, there's so many reasons. And I think most of us have some level of some set of personal reasons um, that are unique to us. But I think that there is, I think it's a lot of the stuff that we talked about Mm. today and in other podcasts and people talk about all the time in terms of like all of the external pressures that we face Mm -hmm. around the expectations of what it means to be a black woman, what it means to be a good mom, a good worker, a good wife, girlfriend, friend, yeah. sister, daughter, et cetera. Like there's so much expectation that is rooted in doing for others. Mm. And I think a lot of us also like we, part of it is about getting clear about how much we value ourselves. That mm. a lot of women use work and productivity and caretaking as a substitute for our own sense of self-worth. And because society and family and culture values those things, 
it's easy to not see it for what it really is, right? Like it looks like I'm meeting expectations. It looks like I'm doing what, what all the women around me are doing and all the women who came before me are doing. And like, this is just normative. And so we don't often don't make time to sort of like lift up those layers and say, what does it feel like when I don't do those things? Because a lot of times I talk to women and it's like, really, you know, they have a partner who would be supportive or they work in a work environment that would allow them to set some boundaries and be supportive of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And they still don't do it, right? Like they still don't want to. And, and the resistance is at some point, not always about how other people are going to push back, but our own pushback that says, you know, am I really being, am I a strong black woman, right? Like, am I being a good mother or partner or worker bee or best friend if I don't say yes? If I put myself yeah. first, am I being selfish? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I really deserve the time off that I actually desperately am in need of? And, and those are harder questions to sit with, like to really ask yourself, like, hmm, mm-hmm. how much of this is from other people? And how much of this is stuff <laughs> that I actually am putting on myself that I don't have to? Yeah. How much of it is like a reaction from like learned behavior? Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I think I said on, you know, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to do this podcast is um, for improper meaning, not that the topics are all improper, but like when you're taught to um, kind of listen, I mean, then it's a little harder to talk. It's a little harder to be vocal. So yeah. I, I wanted to talk about things that are on my mind things that, you know, different women have achieved or maybe have gone through. So that's one of my reasons for really starting Improper Mimi to, to just highlight what women are doing and um, what we have the potential to do, what we can do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, setting boundaries would be one of those things because in order to not overwork myself and in order to um, be there for for myself, like I say, you got to put the oxygen on yourself first, and then you can help passenger next to you or, you know, whoever. Right. Um, so yeah, having, having to set those boundaries at what hours I would be available for work, setting those boundaries for having every holiday dinner at my house. No, that's not going to work because it's pretty stressful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, setting boundaries for, um, holding my friends accountable. Yes, we're there to listen to our friends and support them, you know, but to have that repetitive, um, woe is me kind of, you know, yeah. friends, it, it, it also puts a weight on me, like to, to hear and listen to that. Like, yes, I'm going to say, hey, you actually did this and that's why this happened. So, you know, not just listening, you know, but also holding them accountable for stuff. So that, that actually helps me you know, um, to be able to be there and support them and not just be like, oh no, here we go again. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. What are some boundaries that have, you know, that you think are most helpful? Uh, and I know it's different for everyone because some people need to have a boundary at work and other people really need to have that boundary at home. Like who's doing laundry this weekend, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you could think of like some boundaries that are like super important, like what, what do you think those would be? I think for me, what I try to do is think about 
the places in my life where I feel like I'm not doing a good job are usually the places where I need to tighten up my boundaries. <laughs> so like the places where I'll say, so during this time, right? Like during kind of this whole quarantine and social distancing, there was a stretch and I'm sort of leaning out of this stretch where I felt really, really guilty about not being a good enough friend, right? Like not calling people enough and mm-hmm. not being, you know, not wanting to be on Zoom and not FaceTiming and like kind of disappearing for days or weeks at a time, like not disappearing, but just sort of being really, really mm-hmm. quiet. And I felt guilty about it all the time. And then I would feel sometimes defensive if people said things. And when I, I was like, oh, I need to set a boundary around my time and energy and I need to communicate it. And then I can stop feeling guilty. And so I feel like what, if you can kind of notice a place in your, or places in your life where you feel like things feel murky and you find yourself feeling you know, either resentful or guilty or both, it probably means that there's a boundary there around what you need that you haven't set and you haven't communicated. And so like, for me, it was being able to say like, look, this is what my current emotional capacity is. And that can be Mm -hmm. with friends. Mm -hmm. That could be with your, with work. It could be with, you know, family, your partner at home. But I think some of the most important boundaries for us are to really stay to ourselves, what do I need most? And then yeah. bound and thinking of boundaries as sort of like rules of engagement. Here's how I need us to operate with each other in order for me to take good care of myself. It's not about saying like, you need to do these things to take care of me. It's saying like, hey, I need us to work together in this way. I need you to either you know, respect certain things or for you to understand this is how I can show up for you in order for me to also be able to show up for me, right? Like boundaries are about, here's how I can love you and me simultaneously. Yeah. And I'm just laughing because I remember in our last conversation, you know, on the Improper Me podcast, um, I I was talking about some of those boundaries with dating, you know, Mm -hmm. like, dude, I need you to call me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, like don't go for a week without calling me you know, and we were doing like video calls and phone calls and texts and stuff. And like, I guess, yeah, I guess that that's kind of a boundary, like setting up oh. the, the rules of engagement, you yeah. know, <laughs> I didn't really think of it as a boundary. Mm-hmm. I, I thought of it as if this is going to work, this is what I need from mm-hmm. you. But that is, you know, protecting ourselves, setting boundaries and ensuring that we're heard, ensuring that we're appreciated. Exactly. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah have you there was also I know there's I'm always thinking of different books and I'm (laughs) always like reading multiple books at the same time which also means that I'm takes me forever to finish a book because same thing (laughs) (laughs) I'm like three of them on my desk I'm reading all these different things but one that I have my sights on is eloquent eloquent rage a black feminist um, discovers her superpower Um, by Dr. Brittany Cooper. And I haven't read it yet, but it's on my list of things to do. But it just kind of makes me think like, like back in high school, I probably thought, yes, angry black woman is a superpower. You know, like I could get people to do what I want because they're afraid (laughs) of me. But then (laughs) when you go through college and then you get to the office, it's like, 
oh, these people are afraid of me. I have to make them feel extra safe right. around me. So I have to be extra nice. So I'll just read one, one quote that she had and, and we could chat about that as we get ready to wrap up. Um, so let's see. Dr. Brittany Cooper said, whenever someone weaponizes anger against black women, it is designed to silence them. It is designed to discredit them and to say that they don't have a good grasp on reality. They are overreacting, that they are being hypersensitive, that whatever set of conditions that they are responding to, that their action, their, that their reaction is outsized. Um, and I can read that again if you want, because I know it's the first, I don't know if it's the first time you it. It is the first time I'm hearing it, but um, I'm like, yes, yeah. All of yeah. that, all of those words. I know, right? As I was listening, I thought, you know, I was like, I think almost every single woman of all like races and culture has felt that. Um, mm-hmm. But it is particularly um, accurate and, and sort and painful as a black woman. There's so many places where I feel like we're silenced, and I think if we can't fully express one emotion it stunts us in being able to fully express all of our emotions. And so the thing that sort of resonates for me is if I can't be angry and fully express that Mm -hmm. when my anger is, is valid and well-deserved, it also stunts, which I see all the time, our ability to be sorrowful and soft and vulnerable when sadness is the, the kind of the emotion that comes up. It's, it, limits our ability to be to fully be like joyful when amazing things happen in our lives like we're constantly as black women it is about stealing I think it's not just silencing and diminishing our very hard-earned you know feelings of Mm. exploitation and unfairness and all of the things that create anger in in human beings but it also in a very silent um way steals us steals our ability to also fully express all the other feelings that we have all the other big powerful feelings like joy and love and grief and um yeah and and we have so many of those moments and to not feel as though those get to be heard to have our emotional um expression being diminished in that way is just yeah yeah like we said earlier it's not fair (laughs) yeah and this idea that basically we're always our reaction to everything is, is too much. And like how, what a, um, just limiting and it chips away kind of going back to the piece about our own self-worth and not feeling as though we deserve those things. Like when you live in a, in a system that constantly sends that message that discredits your feelings, that tells you every, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're always overreacting, like, Oh, yeah, exactly. then of course, at some point in adulthood, you look up and you're like, even when you've managed to create relationships and be in environments mm-hmm. that actually want to honor your full experience, it's it's a lot of internal yeah. work to feel worthy of that, to feel like it's allowed. Yeah, you really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like really internalizing that like and doubting yourself, doubting your own feelings like, oh, is it okay to feel this way? Should I feel this way? Like, like you say, and then feeling guilty about expressing your joy with people because they've always 
downplayed your emotions for every Mm -hmm. other thing. So then it's like, okay, well, why even tell you that I'm like super happy about this new job I got when you're just going to downplay it? Like you downplay like, oh, why are you overreacting? You're so upset about this. And and I think that's something that I I internalized for a long time of um, thinking of like Smokey Robinson and tears Mm -hmm. of a clown. It's like, okay, well, I might as well just put a smile on because that's what everyone expects. But then if I try to express that I am upset or sad about something, they like, oh yeah, right. You're, that doesn't bother you. Nothing bothers yeah, you. Like, and I'm uh, like, no, um, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah, I, I am being serious. You know, like you think I'm overreacting, but no, I, I am actually serious. Yes. <laughs> As it turns out, there are quite a number of things that bothered me. There's a lot of things <laughs> exactly. that bother me that I just don't bother talking about because, <laughs> well, because of this response. Yeah. It just, it, I think the last thing I'll say is I do feel like, I think that black people and black women in particular are, um, mm-hmm. we are gaslit in this country. Like, you know, people talk about gaslighting oh. all the time and which is really all that is. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of this constant pushback that makes you feel like whatever you think is happening, whatever you're feeling is somehow crazy or wrong or an overreaction. So you're constantly questioning yeah. yourself and I was recently having a conversation. We were talking about kind of, you know, racial profiling and and people's experiences with the police. And Mm. I was sharing, you know, I just sort of was like somebody, a friend, and she was like, oh, she had not really had any negative experiences with the police. And so she said something and it was her and I and a black man. And he talked about his experience. She's like, gosh, that's awful. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, let me tell you about this. And so like, I just told like a couple of different stories that had happened over in my life. And her response forced me to also recognize like how much I had just minimized and dismissed my own like anger and grief around those experiences because it was just sort of like, Mm. yeah, well, these things happen, right? You know, and it's sort of, it's kind of what you were saying about that, like, it's almost becomes this instinctual, like, what's the point of being super upset? Let's just keep moving, move on mm-hmm. to the next thing, because, you know, no one's going to take it seriously, or they're going to be like, you're overreacting, or you're making a bigger deal of this than you need to, or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And, you know, that's, it's just sort of, a, it's an unfortunate place to constantly find ourselves in. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, people will take away that Setting these boundaries are important for ourselves, for our own well-being, and for the well-being of those around us as well, mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for everyone's best interest, um, and to maybe even think about it. So maybe that's something that we can challenge people to think about today after they listen to this, like, what are some places in your life that you feel may need? to have some boundaries so that you can be yourself, you know, and so that you can actually recognize some of those things that have been upsetting or traumatic to you previously that you don't want to repeat or you want to either speak about or acknowledge. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's things that, like you say, have happened in our lives and things that we've gone through that we're like, oh yeah, this is regular. This is normal every day for being a black woman in America. And actually, no, some people outside of the city, some people 
um, of different races, like they, this never happens to them. They never thought about it. They don't have to be concerned with it. Yeah. So there's like so many different ways and areas that boundaries can help us. Yeah. Just we'll leave yeah. it at that. Help to protect us and help to protect others. <laughs> exactly. Well, awesome, Esther. Thank you so much again for joining me today. As always, so great to talk to you. So great um, to hear your words of wisdom and um, to hear what you've been up to and, and to, to have pointers and tips on how people can, can react and, and deal with things that we come up with in our life. Well, it is so good talking to you. Thank you for having me. This is always one of my favorite, favorite podcasts to be on. Oh, yay. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Improper Mimi. I hope you guys all enjoyed the conversation we had today with Esther Boykins. And be sure to follow Improper Mimi wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, including iHeartRadio. Yep, just in. You can find Improper Mimi on iHeartRadio, as well as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more, all the other places that you listen as well. Be safe out there, my friends. Protect yourselves protect your mind, your heart, and just keep telling your own stories and have a wonderful day. Ciao.